in these moments where joy feels a hundred miles away that we are best suited to remember it's closer to us than that. And joy is more helpful than we might think. And if we dare to cultivate joy, to live into it, it doesn't mean that we don't care about the challenges we or other people are facing. In fact, it's joy that gives us the mental resources, the energy and the stamina to make lasting positive shifts for the long haul. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Bain. And together, we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. It is your gal, Carly. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. Or if you're here for the first time, I'm so glad that you are. You know, I came across this product recently. I thought it was really cute. It's called Notify. And it was the brainchild of a group of mostly women, not all women, but Karen Sukup, Erica Lee, Top Telethorne, and Ingrid Feltel got together because they noticed that for a lot of companies, the staff feels really good on the weekend when they are blissfully free of calendar alerts, right? But as soon as they got back to the office on Monday morning, they start getting dings and buzzes and all these notifications for meetings things that really just disrupt the sense of flow and calm in the office. And they knew there had to be a playful way to address this issue. And so they invented this little device called Notify. It's this little, it looks almost like a diffuser that sits on your desk, a small sphere. And whenever you've got a meeting that it's about time to attend, it blows a bubble, (laughs) a bubble that will get up and float across your desk, letting you know that it's time to go to your meeting. And I have no association with this company. I get no kickback. I just thought it was the cutest, sweetest way to cultivate a little bit of play, a sense of joy. And we need to really talk about joy for a moment. As we enter this new season, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we're getting closer to summer. For those of us in other places, you're transitioning into the cooler weather. It's been a tough year and a half, right? Pretty universally for everybody. I remember the first time that I had a full-on meltdown because it felt like there was a lack of joy in my days. I was only 11 years old. I remember just bursting into tears of sitting on my bed in my bedroom and my mom came in and said, what's going on, Carly? And I said, mom, look, like I get up really early I'm in school before eight o'clock. I work really hard all day long. And I went to the kind of school that kept me late until the evening, sometimes until even after dinner. I come home, I go to sleep, I wake up and I do it again. And there was this sense of monotony in my days of it being all about the work. My days were full of meaning, but they lacked pleasure. And we know from the field of positive psychology, the equation P plus M equals T. And that stands for pleasure plus meaning equals thriving. This is what we watch the folks who do well in their career, their health, and their relationships understand. They understand that meaning is important. We have to care about our work or be motivated by it. But that meaning alone is not sustainable. We need joy too. 
Now, we happen, my company, to be coming out of a launch. We just launched a new class of the Boundary Academy. And so there was extra work to do during this time. And I was also feeling a little physically under the weather. So here I am in a moment where I need to be on for work, doing presentations. Physically, my body was calling for me to go inward and be quiet. And I needed to record this episode on joy. (laughs) Here I am feeling like I have two things competing for my attention. And the irony was not lost on me as I'm thinking about how in the world am I supposed to be talking about joy in a moment where joy seems elusive to me. But this was more than irony. This was actually perfect timing. Because it's in these moments where joy feels a hundred miles away that we are best suited to remember it's closer to us than that. And joy is more helpful than we might think. And if we dare to cultivate joy, to live into it, it doesn't mean that we don't care about the challenges we or other people are facing. In fact, it's joy that gives us the mental resources, the energy, and the stamina to make lasting positive shifts for the long haul. And that's what we're going to break down today. We're going to explain the science and the research behind why joy is just far too important to not leverage as one of our most practical professional assets. So in this way, joy isn't just nice. It's not something we save for special occasions or we get to later. And it certainly isn't something that falls on our laps during times of challenging moments. Joy is something that we experience before success that helps us live in to the goals that we want to have. Plus, It makes the steps to get to where we want to go a whole lot more satisfying. So here's what we're going to cover today. Number one, we're going to talk about what joy really is. It's different than happiness. And I want to make sure we make that important distinction. Then number two, we're going to talk about why we should care about joy. (laughs) Like I said, it's not just about feeling good, though, of course, that's wonderful too. Then we're going to go over joy in the workplace. I'm going to give you some real-world examples of how employees and businesses are cultivating more space for joy as a professional practice. And then finally, we're going to get pragmatic. I'm going to outline four specific things you can do right now to put joy in the equation of the way you work and allow it to help open doors to success for you. First, I get to pause and do the thing that brings me incredible joy, which is to give a shout out. And today is a really special shout out. I'm shouting out to Yaya and Juby. These are the nicknames for my nephews, the youngest of which is about to turn three this weekend. The oldest is four. These are two humans that have brought me an immense amount of joy and remind me that in any given moment, If we dare to pause and get present, not worry about all the things we wish we had done and all the things that are yet to do, joy is available to us. (laughs) We'll go over some of the science behind that. But I can't talk about joy without talking about these two sweet peanuts. I love you, Yaya and Juby. Now, I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode too. We're doing this new thing where listeners can send us a short audio clip of a takeaway from an episode and we can infuse it into an upcoming episode. And it's a beautiful way of including your voice in the conversation. We have clips coming in. I cannot wait for you to hear them. And I would love for you to be on an episode with me. So send a quick 
Voice memo over to Anitza, A-N-I-T-Z-A, at everybodythrive.com. We'll put a link to that right here in the show notes. Or leave a review on iTunes so that I can give you a shout out from there. This episode is brought to you by The Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time or energy or money or downright satisfaction. You see, women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know That boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. They're something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there. Just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. All right, let's talk about what joy really is and the difference specifically between joy and happiness, because we often hear words like happiness, positivity, joy, feeling well, used interchangeably, but they're really different things. A number of years ago, I read The Book of Joy, it's called, and this was written by Douglas Carlton Abrams, and it was based on a series of meetings he had with Archbishop Desmond Tutu and His Holiness the Dalai Lama, two men that have been going through decades of serious challenge and struggle as they seek to protect and motivate their communities, but have also found a way to cultivate joy. And when talking to His Holiness the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama described happiness as something like a butterfly that lands on us. It shows up, we're delighted by it for a moment, and then it flutters away. (laughs) For me, this is a lot like eating a piece of chocolate, right? Like so good in that moment. Or maybe those days where you pull in and you get the perfect parking spot and it just feels really good. This type of satisfaction, this fleeting experience, it's not lasting. That's what happiness is right? Happiness is an emotional response. It's a feeling of one of our senses. It's something that's often triggered by something external, whereas joy, on the other hand, comes from within. Joy is something that is much more lasting. It's much more enduring. It persists even in the most tricky of circumstances. And so when we define joy, the American Psychological Association says there's really two main types of joy. Overall, joy is this feeling, the sensation of extreme gladness and delight or exaltation that arises from a sense of well-being or satisfaction. And the feeling of joy shows up as passive joy, 
where it involves more tranquility and a feeling of contentment with things just as they are. This is the moment, passive joy, where you don't want to be anywhere else than where you actually are. Again, for me, that's often when I'm biting into a piece of chocolate. Maybe for you, it's a moment watching somebody you love be joyful or excited about something or receive an award. It's the moment that you wouldn't change for anything. So passive joy is about satisfaction. Active joy involves a desire to share one's feelings with others. So this is often about some type of interaction, some type of engagement. So for example, Dana LeMay, the head of our Boundary Academy, sent me a really sweet email last week just saying, oh my gosh, watching women sign up for this program is so exciting. I love getting to do this work with you, Carly. So there was this moment where we were emailing back and forth and there was a sense of engagement and being connected to one another's feelings and getting to share them with each other. So both forms of joy, whether passive, where we're in a more tranquil space and we're feeling contentment, or active, where we're passionately engaged with somebody else, they both lead to an increase in energy and a feeling of confidence and self-esteem. Did you hear that last part? I want to really highlight that because I can't tell you how often women say to me, Carly, I wish I didn't doubt myself as much. I wish I felt more confident. I wish I could follow through on things. And I just want to underline that there is a connection to how much joy we are cultivating for ourselves and how much confidence and self-esteem we are feeling. And where there's a lack of confidence, we should look out for a lack of joy because that is something we can correct here. So why should we care about joy? In addition to the fact that it feels good, which frankly is enough of a reason, I thought Sophie Cliff, who's a coach and positive psychologist over in the UK, said it really well when she said, quote, the biggest thing standing in the way of our most joyful lives is ourselves. In a world that is filled with so many terrible injustices, Deciding to prioritize our own joy can sometimes feel a little bit selfish. We can convince ourselves that it's not that important in the grand scheme of things, end quote. Isn't that relatable? How often do we think, ooh, I just want to dance for a moment to this song, or I just want to do this other thing before I quick send my emails, and we say, no, 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 no. Buckle down, stay focused, get the work done. Well, let's talk about that. (laughs) Let's talk about why. Joy really matters. Number one, it's good for our health. And as we talk about here a lot on Messy and Magnificent, there is no career without your health, right? All of us know how difficult, if not downright impossible, it is to get work done when we're not feeling so hot. And in 2017, Natalia Martin Maria and her research team revealed a study that showed a direct link between happiness and a decrease of mortality. In other words, what they found was that people who report feeling a stronger sense of well-being and of joy are less likely to die compared to those who do not. So the research didn't establish an exact cause and effect relationship, but it provided a solid evidence that there is a connection between how long we live and the amount of joy we experience. So number one, right out of the gate, joy is important because it's relevant to our health and longevity, and we can do better work when we're feeling healthier, of course. Now, the second one here is really important. Joy precedes success. 
I want to say that again, because I think that this is really important to understand. Joy precedes success. We often say things to ourselves like, once I land this job, then I'm going to be really happy. Or once I fit into these size smaller jeans, then I'm going to feel great. Or if this person loves me back, or if I leave this person, then I'm finally going to know what joy feels like. Or when I hit some sales goal, right? That's when I'll finally be feeling really good. But the truth is that success is a moving target, especially for us high achievers. The moment we're doing well at something, we already raise the bar on it. I am certainly guilty of this too. Whenever we open the doors for the Boundary Academy, I'll have one goal for how many students I hope to welcome in. And as soon as we get close to that goal, I'm already raising it in my head. If I was looking for 30 women, I'm already talking about 40. So I think it's important to note that success is subjective and that it's fleeting. We've also seen plenty of research indicate that the initial hit of joy we have at reaching a goal will only last for as long as six months. And that's on the long end of things. That's with a very serious milestone. Like you make partner in your law firm or you finally get to buy your first home or you get married or you finally divorce somebody. In those moments of extreme relief or excitement or joy, we notice that the effects last for as long as six months, oftentimes a lot shorter. And so we've been conditioned to believe that success makes us happy, but it's actually the other way around. And let me break that down for you. Joyful people are more successful and they perform better. (laughs) And I just want to say, All of the studies that I'm talking about in today's episode, we have links to them. If you're like me and you like to read those kind of things right here in the show notes, or you can head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast and find this episode and you'll see the research here. But neuroscience has proven that happiness precedes success, as has the field of positive psychology. We have proven that happiness and joy is a key driver and precursor of success with more than a couple decades backing this research. Specifically, one reason that feeling positive sensations like joy are so important is that it actually helps our brain work better. So positive emotions trigger the release of certain neurochemicals, specifically serotonin and dopamine, which significantly enhance our motor skills. They up our motivation, they increase our ability to remember things so our memory is bolstered, as are our problem-solving skills and our mental focus. The other thing that's really interesting about joy is that when we are in a state of feeling good, our brain can process multiple concepts simultaneously more effectively. So multitasking is not something that the human brain is great at. And I don't care about all the myths out there that women multitask better than men. There is no data that that (laughs) demonstrates that that's true. In fact, we see quite the opposite, that women's brains struggle to multitask just as much as everybody else's does. But what we do see is that positive thinking can help bolster that ability, and it can really lead to more success. So we care about joy because it's good for our health. And good health means a better career. We care about our joy because it precedes success, specifically because it allows our brain to perform better. So let's talk a little bit about what joy can look like in our work days. I want to give some examples of how 
some employees and some organizations are cultivating joy. First, a little research. A.T. Kearney, which is an independent researching company, they conducted a survey in December of 2018 that explored people's workplace experience across a variety of countries. So they looked at the Americas, they looked at Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and the whole Asia-Pacific region. And they sampled more than 500 employees who worked in a whole variety of different companies that were entirely different ages. All of these companies were high-revenue-earning organizations, so large organizations. And they found what they called the joy gap, meaning about 90% of folks involved in the study said that they expect to experience a substantial degree of joy at work, yet only 37% of people actually report that they did experience joy. Did you catch that? 90% of people think that their work is going to bring them joy, and in reality, only 37% are experiencing it that way. So we've got to talk about what does foster joy at work, because it turns out just being employed is not enough. And I thought Alex Liu, who is the host of the Joy at Work podcast, summed this up beautifully in an article that he wrote for HBR a couple years ago. I'll put a link, of course, to that article in the show notes, where he explained that in any team environment, joy arises from a combination of three main things, harmony, impact, and acknowledgement, all of which are things that both business leaders and those of us who are in the day-to-day can help to bolster within our teams and within our interactions. So when I say harmony, this is our ability to work together on something. Alex uses a lot of sports references in his article. He talked about harmony, for example, in sports would be passing the ball. One player knowing that somebody else is a little closer to the goal might kick the ball in their direction so that the team can ultimately get the win, that they were working together with one another and there's a sense of symbiotic relationship here. So rather than being purely hierarchical and being set up so that somebody gets to be the hero and everybody else is the worker bee, what we're noticing here is that places that cultivate more harmonious relationships tend to do a little bit better. So here's a great example of this. Most businesses, at least traditionally speaking, would save their corner offices or the offices with a good view with some good sunlight for the more high-ranking employees. But if we look at a company like Kickstarter, for example, Kickstarter set up the design of their headquarters in such a way that there was a main sunny atrium in the middle and that everybody's desks were built around that. So all of the employees, regardless of level, had the opportunity to have some good, fresh sunlight. They could see green things growing and they would get good light on their desks, natural light. And we know that studies show that workers with sunnier desks are more physically active than workers in dimmer spaces. They sleep better at night and they tend to report feeling happier. They feel better. And so this is a great example of building a harmonious office space where light was accessible for everybody. It wasn't just reserved for the select few. And you can see how this also sends a message to the employees within this company that the well-being of everybody matters to the organization as a whole. Now, impact is the other thing that cultivates joy in our workplace. When I say impact, what I mean is the ability to see the results of the work you have done together. So for example, if we were looking at another sports analogy, 
This might be being able to acknowledge that a play went really well. Look at this. We're celebrating together. Everyone's arms are going up. You're cheering. You're hugging. There's this sense of we have done the thing we set out to do, and it's a celebratory moment. And it's a social moment also. So there's this acknowledgement between people that together you have done something really well. And we see that people who cultivate this type of celebration of impact do really well together. For example, folks who invite other coworkers out to lunch or organize office activities are more than 10 times more likely to be engaged at work than those who keep to themselves. And they're 40% more likely to get a promotion, (laughs) right? So impact and our ability to celebrate it together goes a long way. And related to that, the final thing that has been shown to cultivate joy in the workplace is acknowledgement, recognizing people when they do something well. So with our sports analogy here, this might be the coach after the game really celebrating the person who was great at passing the ball or who scored the goal, or maybe appreciating the person who brought water out onto the field when somebody had their hamstring seize up, right? Here's how acknowledgement can look in a beautiful way in a corporate environment. So back in 2010, Burt's Bees, the company that makes all sorts of body care products, was expanding rapidly. They were growing into 19 new countries simultaneously. And this is the kind of growth, this type of massive, fast-paced growth often leads to many leaders kind of bombarding their team with requests. They have meetings. They have a lot of pressure for them to make quick turnarounds to create perfect solutions. And in doing so and approaching it with this type of high pressure tension, managers and leaders tend to jack up everybody's anxiety level. They get everybody ramped up, which only initiates the part of the brain we call the amygdala, right? This is the fight or flight emotional cortex of the brain that perceives threat and danger. So when the amygdala feels triggered by all this pressure coming at it, it begins to focus on survival. And when we're brain is focused on survival, resources that would normally go to the prefrontal cortex, which is where we do our great problem solving, where we come up with solutions, are minimized because our brain is now focusing on survival. So we literally get tunnel vision. I mean that both very literally, as in we actually have less peripheral sight but also metaphorically, in that we see less possibility, we see less opportunity, we see fewer solutions when we're under stress. So Burt's Bees, CEO at the time, back in 2010, John Replogle, he tried something a little bit different. He decided rather than put tons of pressure on his teams, he would draft a daily email to praise a team member. He was doing this acknowledgement approach I'm talking about. And he even brought in coaches to facilitate conversations on joy in the middle of this expansion, right? in the middle of a moment where you would think, oh my gosh, we have to be talking about deadlines and reaching objectives. He was creating space to cultivate joy. And this led to Burtsby's successful expansion into these 19 new countries and becoming a global company. But it also led to an increased sense of connection and enthusiasm from those who work within the company, everybody from staff to management to executives alike were closer to one another and to the values of the company. So they didn't suffer into success. They worked into it, yes, but they also did joy. 
This kept everybody engaged and cohesive as they successfully slid into this transition of being a much larger scale global organization. So quick recap on what cultivates joy in the workplace. It's harmony, as in how can we weave our work together? How can we pass the ball from one another effectively here? It's about impact, meaning noticing and celebrating when we do reach a goal or we do see the positive results of the work we're cultivating together. And then, of course, acknowledgement across the board on all levels of what is going well, the people that are showing up or the approaches that seem to be landing well so that we continue to repeat what's working. So that's looking at things on kind of a macro level, but let's talk specifics and pragmatics here. Here are four specific things you could try right now to put joy on the table in the pursuit of your success. Now, you don't need to do all four of these things. (laughs) If you're a high achiever, that might be the place your brain goes. I want you to try something else instead. I want you to notice if there's one of these you already lean towards. As I list these four things that we can practice to cultivate joy as a professional skill set, see if there's one you're already doing, because we just might turn the flame up on that one a little bit. Number one thing that we can do to cultivate joy as a professional asset, it's to circle up. And when I say circle up, I mean foster meaningful connections with those in your circle that help to up the level of joy you're feeling. So for many of us, myself included, when things are sticky or tricky, there can be a tendency to retreat within ourselves. When times get tough, we actually see the most successful people will make time for their friends, for their peers, and their family members, because that is what has been shown to bolster our ability to move through challenging circumstances. So I don't know if you caught our most recent episode on allyship and how we can leverage the meaningful human connections we have in order to do well in the workplace. I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case that speaks to you, how you can figure out who is your ally and who maybe not so much so that you can give your time to those meaningful connections that you've got. But I want to point this out. We have found that folks who invite their coworkers out to lunch or organize an office activity were more than 10 times more likely to be engaged at work than those who keep to themselves. And also, (laughs) as reported, In the Harvest Business Review back in 2014, they were 40% more likely to get a promotion. So daring to connect with other people specifically, and this part is important, I don't mean just everybody, I mean specifically those who you walk away feeling better after you've connected with them is really important. So I want you to keep an eye out for the folks, friends, family, coworkers, who you feel better after you speak with them and just take a peek at your calendar and make sure that you have a date scheduled with one of those people on a weekly basis at a minimum. This type of cultivation of meaningful human connection leads to the type of joy that takes us places. Number two thing we can do to cultivate joy as a professional asset is to practice presence. There was a study done a few years ago by Harvard psychologists that showed that we spend about 47% of our waking hours thinking about what isn't going on, (laughs) meaning thinking about what's not happening here in the present moment. And this typically makes us unhappy. So when we're ruminating over all the ways we wish we said or did something differently, 
or we're planning for the 40 things we wish we were better at, we're often decreasing our sense of joy, which as we spoke about earlier, also deflates our sense of self-esteem and confidence in our decision-making. So the solution here is to begin to fan the flames of our focus onto what is happening in this very moment. This is what everybody's calling mindfulness, right? That's become a very popular term these days. Mindfulness just means bringing the mind to the present moment, which could be something as simple as between the moment where you turn on your coffee pot and it's done brewing, you just take three breaths. Or you look for a place where light is coming into the room where you are right now, whether that's from a window or from your screen or from an overhead lamp. Or maybe you look around the room for something you haven't ever seen quite in the same way before. The way a corner of the wall comes together or the shade of the carpet underneath your desk. Just being right here, right now, giving your mind an opportunity to reset and become present. That in and of itself initiates the opposite of the fight or flight response we spoke about earlier. It initiates the parasympathetic part of the nervous system, allowing our brain to begin to problem solve and think more creatively. The third way that we can cultivate joy is to begin to leverage our soft strengths. Did you catch the episode I did with Charlene Ryman? a few weeks ago, where we talked about how she was able to transition from a career that was really sucking her dry, that was causing her to be physically ill, into starting her own business. She did that through the cultivation of soft strengths. What I mean are looking at things like your empathy, your listening skills, your ability to connect with others. These are skill sets that are increasingly in demand and becoming even more valuable as we're looking for people who are able to do more creative problem solving in the world and within our companies. As we're looking for the folks who can find solutions, we're looking for the folks who have the scoff skills to create the types of interactions that lead to more folks being at the table, being inspired, and being ready to contribute. So if you haven't seen your ability to be empathetic as a professional skill before, now is the time for that. So as we talk about these three specific practices that you could put into place to bolster joy as a professional asset, we went over circling up, practicing presence, and leveraging your soft strengths. Of the three of those, which one stands out to you right now? And how might you turn the flame up on that just 3% more? So for example, if you're good at making meaningful connections and circling up, How might you do 3% more of that? Could you invite somebody to eat lunch with you, even if it's over Zoom, if it's somebody that you really enjoy connecting with? Or if you've got great soft strengths, if your listening skills are really good, what is it that might make sense for you to listen to just 3% more right now? Is it a person? Do you need to listen to your clients 3% more? Do you need to listen to new information or resources that you've been putting off for a little while? Or if we looked at the practicing of presence, if that's something you actually really enjoy, it just gets lost throughout the course of your otherwise full days, how might you practice presence 3% more? Maybe it's just taking a few deep breaths at the end of this episode before you move on to the next thing. Whatever it is, I encourage you to take action on what it is you're already doing well, to lean into that 3% between now and the next episode. By golly, we covered a lot of information on today's episode. 
We talked about what joy is and how it's different than happiness, why we should care about joy. We gave some examples of how we cultivate joy in the workplace, and then we went over four specific things that you could do right now to add a little joy into the equation of what helps you prosper. Now, next week, I'm going to come back with an episode in case you're feeling a lack of joy in your life. We're going to talk specifically about what it is that sabotages our joy in the first place and what you can do about it so that you can continue to thrive in your career, health, and relationships, even if there's sticky or tricky things going on in your world. But I want to know from you, if you only remember one thing from today's episode, what is it going to be? Take that on over to iTunes and leave a review so we can keep this conversation going. And remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what it is you value, including seeing your joy as a professional asset. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.